0: Hello, my name is Jim Vels. I'm Dean of the Faculty at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. And with me today are three professors from Concordia Seminary. We have Will Schumacher, the Dean of Theological Research and Publications to my immediate left, who's also the Mission Professor of Historical Theology. Jeff Kloa from the Department of Exegetical Theology. And Chuck Arend, who is the Chairman of the Systematics Department here at Concordia Seminary St. Louis. Now these men are the major contributors to the July issue of the Concordia Journal. a Little special cover here today. Uh, and this special issue is going to focus on ecclesiology or the doctrine of the church. Now the occasion for this issue is a recent ongoing discussion in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod on church structure. And as part of this discussion, A document has been produced entitled, Congregation, Synod, Church, and this has been distributed rather widely throughout the Synod. Its goal is to seek to provide theological principles for this discussion on the church and its structure. Now, in fact, specific proposals on church structure are going to be presented at a special conference uh, get-together in August of this year, 2008, based upon the principles in CSC Congregation Synod Church. Now our church body has been invited to join in the discussion on the nature of the church, its structure possibilities, and so on. And this July issue now of the Concordia Journal is a what we would like as Concordia Seminary to bring forth to enable this discussion. We want this to be a resource for people to think through the issues related to church, its nature, its structure, and so on. So this afternoon we would like to kick off the discussion here at Concordia Seminary with a roundtable introducing some key topics and issues such as what is a Synod, Um, Why do we have a synod? Is our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod a church? What does it mean to be a member of it and so on? And this discussion now should help readers and those who are watching this presentation to get into the topic and to be able to discuss it with some background. Will, I think I'll turn to you first and let's just begin with a pretty basic question and because it's in our name, what is a synod, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod?
1: Well, we, uh, the, the classic answer you get when you ask that question in our circles is synod is walking together. That's a little too simplistic. I think that uh synod is traditionally, and I, I say traditionally, I mean in the 19th century, used really in two ways, two distinct ways. One is, uh, very simply, the gathering, what we call the, the convention. The Zinoda was actually the gathering of the members of the Senate. But it's also used as a collective noun to designate all the members. So the synod referred to all the members of the Senate.
0: So that first one, the gathering, that'd be like Acts 15 when they got yeah, together. Yeah, I suppose that's, yeah.
1: and in fact, the, the uh, original Constitution, I think our Constitution still today in its uh, preamble, cites Acts 15 as a scriptural uh, precedent for forming a synod.
0: But I don't know, guys, what do you think? I'm not sure that that's either of those two, the convention or the members, is the way people think of synod today. I mean, don't they think of it as a structure, like a a third definition or something like
1: that? I think so, I think so.
2: Yeah, that's, I I think the basic problem is we've sort of grown into this uh, usage of synod, meaning the the corporate entity, if you will, the the governance of it, and uh, never really developed a theology behind why we use the term that way. We just sort of slid into it. And I think there is a distinction that people use between uh, congregation and synod. as if synod is something else, when they're actually referring to the, the structure, the governance, uh, which resides in a certain building, you know, here in St. Louis.
0: So by something else, you mean something that could actually uh, stand over against the
2: congregation. Exactly, as if there's yeah. congregations, and then there's synod, and those two are not coterminous.
1: And, and isn't, that, isn't that the habitual way we use synod right. now? That's almost the normal usage of synod now, right. I think.
3: Well, if I may ask, though, I mean, how did that come about? Isn't this somewhat natural? As the church body grows, it develops institutional structures, <clears throat> headquarters, um, so that, um, or, or, or would you say that it has been, in fact, a recent phenomenon, the last 50 years, or um, was it there before?
1: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I can't answer it exhaustively. Um, uh, you know, maybe you guys know.
2: Well, I, what, what seems to me uh, has happened is we've, we've uh, grown into this. You know, we, we, we have a synod, it's self-evident that it exists in a sense, but our, our theological way of looking at it has not developed alongside the growth of the structure. So we still, and it's reflected in the document, the, the CSC document that Jim referred to here, we still uh, tend to think of congregation as church, and the una sancta you know the, the invisible church as right. church but synod now is not church because mm-hmm. if you read peeper or walther allegedly they don't use church to refer to synod and so the danger becomes that it's not uh a church it's simply an organization it's a, a, a legal incorporated thing and and sort of we can make up whatever we want to have happen within this we're not kind of bound by scripture perhaps uh, it maybe is an overstatement But I I think it's fair to say that we don't have a developed theology of why have a synod or what is the relationship between the synod and the congregations.
0: Let's just back up one step and, Will, I'm going to ask you because uh, you teach in the area of American Christianity. Now, in this document, congregation, synod, church, some Walther uh, documents are included. Would Walther have used this third definition of synod?
1: No. I think I can say that pretty categorically. Uh, the Synod, as Walther knew it, had almost none of the uh, the bureaucratic trappings that we know today. It had no paid officers. It had no uh, staff. It had no headquarters building. Uh, until the, the presidency of John Banken, uh, uh, yeah. into his presidency, the, uh, the mailing address of the Synod was the president's home. Mm. I think
0: what's important though in this, and might be you know pretty important here for our, our viewers, is it's not just this though, taking what you guys have said, it's not just that you might say bureaucracy used to be little and now it's a lot bigger. It's that there's a kind of a different understanding of what the synod is. It's an entity over against the congregations as opposed to, so uh, because otherwise people could just say, "Oh well, we have to trim the bureaucracy some." But, but there, I think there's a different concept here.
1: Well, I think there is. We, in some ways, were are the victims of our own emphasis on the congregation yeah. and on the autonomy of the congregation. Uh, don't you think this is right? The uh, uh, we've from the beginnings we've stressed a certain. Uh, independence of congregations, the self-governance of conversa- con- uh, congregations. Uh, the constitution specifically designates that the synod uh, isn't a legislative body; it can't impose anything on congregations. And in our day and age, as good Americans, we've taken this autonomy and this independence and really run with it. Uh, so. That- On the one hand, we view the congregation as practically independent, free to choose what resources it wants to use or not use. On the other hand, this kind of externalizes the Synod as some other thing out there.
3: Well, let me try and uh, clarify in my own mind a couple of things that you guys are talking about. On the one hand, you have the issue of how the Synod became seen as an entity over and against congregations. And then the corollary of that is that we do not see synod as church in any way. Now, were you suggesting when you said they're victims of our own understanding of congregations that our understanding of um, congregations as church? um, I'm trying to think of how to put it did not allow us to think of as church or automatically meant that synod became an institution over and against us. I'm, it seems like we're dealing with yeah. it, like, two different issues. One is the transformation of the understanding of synod into this bureaucracy over against the congregation. But then the other issue is the nature of that institution mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. either what merely a human, organization right. or as church in some way. Mm-hmm. Well, now, Jeff,
0: uh, you've got an article in the journal here that, uh, entitled, The Trans-Congregational Church in the New Testament. Now, what about that point that, Jeff's, well, that yeah, uh, Chuck's I, I, raising?
2: I guess well, what I think we're doing in the issue is really trying to help us understand what the synod is theologically. You know, we, we have it, OK? But I, I don't see, either in recent literature, in particular, this uh, congregation, synod, church document. A theological rationale for Synod um, uh, we simply take it as self-evident and I have to admit you know uh, you know reading the New Testament uh, I read it sort of simply assuming an LCMS polity you have individual congregations and then you have uh, people talking to each other but there's no sort of bigger church um, uh, just just little congregations so you think you say the church in Corinth you're thinking like oh there's like you know, 40 people, 60 people, it's a congregation, kind of like we think of it. There's a pastor, you know. Uh, But then you read the thing, and Paul's talking about, well, the church at that house, and then you're coming together as church from all these little churches. It's pretty clear that there's something bigger going on than just a local congregation. And, And I think we sort of just read that into the New Testament rather than actually saying, you know, what was the church in the New Testament? Is it bigger than just, you know, as we typically define it from the confessions, where there's word and sacrament? Right. you know just that and that only is church. Right.
0: Now what about that Acts 9 passage because I know you've talked. About right
2: that. Acts 9:31. 31 the uh, I mean it's in the article there the, the issue is uh, does does the book of Acts refer to a collective uh, uh, group of churches as church singular not as the churches of a location but the church in this place and uh, you know there's a textual problem there certainly it's discussed in the article but but it seems pretty clear that Acts uses uh, the term in that way just as Paul does uh, that he uses church singular to refer to a collective of what we would call congregations and that it's you know what do we label that see we've chosen to call that sort of synod okay not church specifically but the New Testament appears to have no problem uh, labeling a collective of what we would call congregations as church Uh, Acts 9 is an example Uh, uh, the church in Corinth is an example um, it's just regular usage in the New Testament. And I, and I have to admit again, I just read that as a congregation yeah. before mm-hmm. until you actually look at, well, you got house churches coming together. You know, he's greeting the, the church at this place, the church is this place. He's greeting a whole church in a province as a collective. Yeah, you and know? The church yeah. in Galilee. Yeah, while yeah. the, uh, uh, well, there's are yeah. seeing a church in several mm-hmm. cities, but, but even so it's, it's still uh, viewed of as a collective. I think even more significant than just what it's called, you know, what it's called sort of doesn't matter, pick whatever, you know, signifier you want, whatever word you want. I think what's more critical is, is that these connections and the, the unity of these congregations together into these larger, you know, trans-congregational entities, to use a neutral term, um, is actually critical for the life of the church. Uh, Paul encourages very specifically that these churches uh, know each other, relate to each other, work together, carry out the same practices, are accountable to one another. Uh, in other words, the, the, these gatherings or these collections of congregations, it's not just you know, structurally, they all put their money in the same pot or something like this, but it's the, sort of the essence of the church in a sense. And if you are doing your own thing, little house church over here, or even entire church in Corinth, if you're doing something different from everybody else, you got to take a step back because it says something about you that you are not a part of the larger body of Christ.
0: Well, he does argue that in Corinthians well, because he talks about, you know, we don't have that policy in right. our churches. Yeah,
3: I think this is a really important point you're making because as Will indicated, um, you know, being in America, uh, we prize individualism Right, right. Uh, that applies to congregations as well and I think, if people see uh, a synod primarily or exclusively as a provider of goods and services, mm-hmm. uh, that practically we can do some things together that we can't do alone, um, that works for a while. But once you have a congregation that right. has a lot of resources, you mm-hmm. might not need right. uh, to work with others quite like right. that. And so the um, imperative or need to uh, maybe be involved with other congregations uh... is going to lessen and I suppose if you push it even back further you could apply that to even individual Christians exactly, yeah. um... in terms of uh... the need and obligation to uh... work with or be a part of other Christians
0: well Chuck maybe you could just say a little bit more about this American context certainly on our campus we've talked a lot about the influence of what you might call Americanism on our thinking
3: but uh, say a little bit more about Well I mean Will might be better suited <laughs> to that uh, than me, but I do think, <clears throat> as um, Americans, we've always been caught in a tension between emphasizing the common good and the individual, and we tend to lean a bit more towards, I suppose, personal freedoms. Um, uh, we love, uh, you know, Frank Sinatra, I'll do it my way. I think that was Sam right? I think so. Uh, we prize the entrepreneur, uh, the Lone Ranger. Uh, you know, We've always held him up in our folklore to some extent. Uh, the self-made person. Um, and I have a hunch uh, that that has gradually become part of our congregations. Uh, we've seen the last 20-30 years where congregations want to take, it might be a good thing, ownership of missions, I suppose, and funding their own missionaries, uh commit with their own programs. Um, and perhaps not being as much a part of whether it's local circuits uh district participation because uh you have staffs that you know can look after each other i suppose mm-hmm. uh in addition in america i suppose you've also, you've had this phenomenon we also call parachurch organizations where individual congregations can find resources from a wide variety of sources and for me one of the big changes we've seen over the years is at one time the synod was the primary source from which people received homiletical helps well youth
2: youth resources, youth resources stewardship programs educational curriculum Sunday school
1: curriculum liturgy yeah.
3: and yeah. Now, liturgy, uh, right. from continuing ed uh, right. to going to conferences you can mm-hmm. get homiletical helps you can worship uh, resources you can get songs you can get all kinds of things from a wide variety of sources uh, and some of these things might be of really high quality. So if I can get them in there instead of synod, and if my reason for belonging to synod is because it provides me with resources, right. or we can, yeah. then or we if, have a problem.
2: If, yeah, if that's your only reason to be a part that's of That's the synod. only reason. Right.
3: Then we have a problem yeah. as to why do we need a synod.
0: Now see, I think you're on a really key issue here, and we have to come back to something Jeff was talking about, is it would be easy to listen to what you said in the last few minutes, and lament something like this, gee, it's a shame we can't slash don't work together right. more. Right. But it's not really a practical issue. It's really a theological exactly. issue. Yes, that's
3: what we're trying right. to raise. And that's right. that's
0: what I think we're trying to raise now. Uh, one, of the th- one of the phrases you'll see in the congregation synod church document is a notion something like this, that the synod does churchly functions. But Jeff I, I take it from what you're saying that it, we, we got to say a lot more than that
2: yeah I think so um, I, I I don't want to hit on the document too hard I, what I do appreciate the first uh, thing they talk about the first principle is Jesus Christ is Lord mm-hmm. and and to me if you take that seriously that that sort of solves a lot of problems um, uh, that what goes or how it goes in a congregation is how it goes in any collection of Christians, be it a district, a circuit, a synod, um, uh, that that things sort of work the same way all the time um, uh, because Jesus Christ is Lord. So we teach the same thing, we confess the same thing, we're, we're accountable in the same way to each other. Um, uh, where, where I think we struggle, really, in, in sort of this accountability and relationships to each other, and it's, it's because of, I think, our American context is we, we tend to argue that I have to do things differently because I'm in a different context than you are. So I'm serving a I'll say an urban setting or a suburban setting or in a rural setting we're in a you know a boomer church or in a seeker church, you know and, and we, we kind of have all these niches, you know sort of a thing and we, and we assume then that the things have to be different. and uh, it, what was striking to me in working through the material in the New Testament is, you know, you think about, say, Antioch, for example, is, is a Gentile mission, okay? They're sending Paul and Barnabas off to uh, Turkey at Asia Minor, um, and Jerusalem is not doing that. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're not real hip on the Gentile mission at all. Uh, yet, uh, when there's a debate about what to do, Antioch doesn't kind of, say, with the Gentiles in Acts 15, Antioch doesn't just say, Well, eh, you know, we're doing our thing, you're doing your thing, we got a new context here, so, just kind of live and let live they actually get together and talk about what should we be teaching and and making sure that they're doing this together now paul's pretty clear i'm going to go to the gentiles and you guys work with the jews there's no you know it's not like they, they're doing the identical thing um, but even though they're in very different contexts they want to be sure that they're all on the same page with this and and uh, i think that's the, the thing we haven't worked through in synod really uh, how to be together yet be in different contexts, and and be still faithful uh, to Christ and accountable to one another as we do that. Uh, I think what we've tended to do, and this is just again a perception, you can discuss this, you know, but but uh, we've tended to default to I know best because it's me, uh, you know, my own individualistic entrepreneurial perspective, and, and we've bracketed off or, or let slide maybe is a better way to say it, uh, my connection to my brothers and sisters in a larger church.
0: Now, uh, yeah, I want to bring this back from making it sound, I don't think any of us disagrees with this, but I don't want to make it sound like we're just not cooperating enough. I think that you're raising pretty heavy-duty theological questions, and so let me just put it right on the table, yeah. and that is, would you say that a trans-congregational entity like the Synod is church?
2: Oh yeah, I, I think there's, it's clear from the New Testament.
1: Now, what would happen when we interact with that question with Walther? He would answer yes. Uh, Walther clearly understood that there was a a trans-congregational, visible church. I sort of go into this in my article that uh, I attempted to sort of trace not only his initial development starting at Altenburg and through church and ministry where he really does emphasize the congregation because his understanding of church is based around word and sacrament by which the church is Mm -hmm. visible. But then he comes back in the 1860s with the the Evangelical Lutheran Church, the true visible church of Mm -hmm. God on Mm -hmm. earth. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole series of theses about the Evangelical Lutheran Church, which is not identical with the Missouri Synod or, or even a, a collection of synods like the, you know, the Synodical Conference or something. It's visible because the words preached and the Gospels confessed together, and it's church. And that means that it's under the Lordship of Christ, and these, these people, these Lutherans really belong to one another. Mm-hmm. They and they belong with one another, and see that's kind of the crucial thing. Um, whenever I teach Missouri Synod history, I always ask classes what they think really holds the Senate together, and you know. And after we get through the answers, like you know, the Concordia plans and, and, right. and stuff like that that uh, everybody chuckles about, although there's something. <laughs> to yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we, we start prodding, and it's, it's not our agreement to cooperate on practical projects. It's not that we all use the same publishing house. Um, It's it's not that we're all contributing to the same mission program. It really, the glue that holds us together, is the desire to be held accountable for our doctrine and practice. By one another. To be held accountable by one another. And that means that I need my brothers and sisters in the faith to make sure that I don't kind of go off the rails. Yeah. I don't see, want I, to be autonomous.
0: I interjected that because it's being held accountable by one another, not by some third agency
1: out not there. Not by some right. third yeah. agency. Right. And it's also very distinct, and this is extremely important. It's completely different from the desire to hold other people accountable. Right. Uh, yeah. That's it's just pretty. the kind of power that right. that it in fact negates that Jesus is Lord oh, right. of confession, right? right? right. If okay. Jesus is Lord, then... It's stupid to argue about who's in charge. Right,
2: right. That confession can only be made over and against something else. So if Jesus is Lord, I am not. Mm -hmm. The Pope is not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Synod is. Whatever you want to fill in the blank, you know.
1: And let me go back to this this desire to be held accountable, I believe, really needs to lie at the heart of whatever structures and and organizational details we Mm -hmm. use and Mm -hmm. come up with. In one way, almost any arrangement can work. Right. Yeah. I think Uh, Lutherans have pretty much said that. We we sort of, you know, the the exact form is is not a a matter of of, uh, Mm -hmm. crucial difference. But we need to take a look at whatever structures, and and we don't know really what the proposals will be that come out of the task force, but we need to take a look at any structures that are proposed, any shape of our life together to make sure that this is really about, you know, I want to be held accountable. Do these structures help hold me accountable for my doctrine and practice? so that I am accountable to mm-hmm. my brothers and mm-hmm. sisters. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, no, not ahead. that we have 6,000 congregations watchdogging 6,000 other congregations, uh, that, that's kind of chaotic. Yeah. And we have structures in, in order to, to sort of give a mechanism Walter for there, that. Right. But uh, the, the real root of it is that design. Why else would anybody join us in it? So it's certainly in Walter's day, there was no Concordia plan. There, was no, there, there were no goods and services that were right. provided by the Synod yeah. as a, this yeah, there, external There was no entity. college system or anything, no. no. Uh, you joined a Synod because you, you confessed the gospel in this very specific way and you wanted to make sure that you were held to that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm now your thing, Chuck, I it. want to yeah. come over to you because his answer uh, when he talked about the true visible church and so on brings up the issue of the marks of the church. Now say a little bit about that because um, that's going to raise the key issue, and it's building on what Jeff said here, of um, you know, we start talking about larger entities, trans congregational entities as being church. Hey, are the marks of the church the same and so on? So say a little bit about that.
3: I know that one of the reasons I or I, one of the reasons I think we've focused on congregationalist church is because when we define uh, church as believers, since we can't see faith in the heart, we rely upon those means by which faith is created and strengthened. Mm-hmm. And since those means, uh, word and sacrament, are delivered on a regular basis, day in, day out, week in, week out within congregations, we've tended to highlight congregations as the fullest manifestation of the church in a particular place. And I suppose that's why we've had more difficulty in thinking about, look, larger entity is church because if Word are in sacrament doesn't take place on a regular basis within that larger mm-hmm. entity how can it be church in right. the fullest uh, sense of the word so yeah. this is probably an area I may not satisfy here that does need some further work and exploration right. in terms mm-hmm. of um, how we think about those marks of the church—we're uh, always already hinting at it with the notion of confession mm-hmm. as a way of uh, recognizing the marks, uh, the marks of the church um, across a larger geographical area. Um, I know, in my own thinking, at times, uh, you know, Jeff, we, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I've come to think of um, word and sacrament at times as. Um, for lack of a better word, uh, infallible marks, in the sense that where these go on, we know without any doubt the Spirit's at work and the Church is there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, within our tradition, we've talked about marks in a broader sense. Luther talks about you know, nine marks of the Church, and he talks about marks in a variety of other ways. Um, and it may be entirely appropriate, I think it is, to speak about you know, what Jeff was saying in terms of the mutual obligation of love. And... Uh, cooperation, mm-hmm. the responsibility and accountability also as marks of the church. Right. Uh, they may not be marks of the church in the same way right. that we're in sacrament are, right. uh, namely that w- these are good indications that the church is there. They may not provide a guarantee for me because they're not faith-creating instruments right. that the Spirit uses. Uh, but nevertheless, they shouldn't be discounted either Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, saying, well, we're in sacrament. Those are the marks, so we don't have to worry about anything else. Um, I think they do go together. And so there might be some room for us to explore that, particularly in terms of uh, congregations working with each other with regard to the mutual bond of love and mutual obligation and Mm -hmm. responsibility to not do that, to say, I don't need you or I don't need to be held accountable. It strikes me as kind of a... Well, now, efficient. Yeah. Now let's try to relate
0: to that to what Jeff was talking about before, and this kind of rose us out into deeper waters here. Uh, if we are going to talk about a transcongregational nature to the church, then um, you know, are we talking about word and sacrament? Uh, let, let's take your definition one: um, word and sacrament at a synodical convention, but we normally get a host congregation. Right. I mean, how about just doing it with the saints gathered? Or, um, you know, maybe here's another way to put it. Do all of the things that happen in a congregation have to happen at a larger level in order for it be to be church uh, and, and the reverse? I don't know, I, what do yeah. you think? I,
1: I'd say no. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, this, this is actually already our practice. There are things that we do in congregations that we just don't do in larger embodiments or expressions of the church. Um, you know, Synodical conventions, characteristically, don't excommunicate. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, a local congregation doesn't make decisions about altar and pulpit fellowship all by itself. So no, you know that's well, actually aut- a kind of a autonomous. key. Well, well it should. <laughs> well, okay, okay, understood. They they kind of do. But, but no, uh, you're
0: raising an interesting point here. But our understanding yeah. of church is yeah. that
1: that's that's a kind of decision which we need all of us to make mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. together. Right. 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 Um, it's it's really not a place to claim autonomy right. and, and independence.
0: So I mean, maybe would this be fair to say? that there are a number of things that would be marks of the church and another a number of functions of the church but not not every one of those would necessarily be apparent at every level of it right. doesn't have I it's to be fair to say
3: that, yeah. I mean, that's kind of more like why i like i think we've traditionally described this way that uh, the local congregation may well be the fullest manifestation
1: mm-hmm.
3: of the church in a particular place but it doesn't mean the only um, like you you seem to be yeah. in the King, all of them don't have to be there. Um, and so we would probably still draw, I think, a little bit of a distinction between maybe what happens in our congregation, what happens in this wider mm-hmm. or larger entity. I don't know. You know, though, but
0: let's try to relate that to what Jeff was saying. Yeah. We don't say that congregations should, by themselves, independently, unilaterally, do fellowship kind of decisions and this is well Jeff I'm coming back to Corinthians this is huge though the fellowship issue. Oh right yeah
2: Um, yeah I mean I don't know how I mean keep going with that.
0: Well um, you know it's interesting to me that fellowship is a big issue in Corinthians. Uh, Oh yeah well chapter
2: 11 is all about uh, local house churches not getting along essentially, and, right. and essentially social divisions as they're coming together as the larger trans-congregational church mm-hmm. now. Right. Uh, and, 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 it's, and Paul points this out as a problem. You know, you can't hold yourself up even socially or economically is the problem, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you got the good stuff over here and you send the other, shuttle the, uh, the poor church right. o- off over here. Right. And Paul says, you're sh- shaming the church. Now, now, when he says you're shaming the church, it's not you're shaming yourself. You're shaming the whole body of Christ because you as this little local entity are supposed to reflect
0: right.
3: how
2: it goes all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, w- and when you're not reflecting that, there's, there's something wrong with you yeah. <laughs> is, is sort of the problem. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, he calls the individual right. little house churches and even Corinth as a whole because they're allowing this to mm-hmm. happen uh... to account for mm-hmm. the whole church mm-hmm. of god is, is his phrase
3: right uh, right
2: and, and uh... so they're they they can not just sort of do their own way of doing fellowship right. see? uh... it's it's uh... it's a bigger issue than just that right.
0: group now here's where i was going right. with that and i want to come back to walther here see it's interesting to me uh, because paul in corinthians is operating sort of on several levels right. so the individual exactly. and then the whole church, the whole church. at corinth right. And the Church of God. Um, and the Church yeah. of God, right. Now, it's interesting that um, somehow in our polity, now help us here, uh, we reserve fellowship decisions for what you might call a higher trans congregational level. Yet, in our traditional thinking, that's actually not church. It's only doing churchly functions. Yeah. I mean, the way we've been talking right. about it recently, maybe right. not Walther. Yeah, yeah, not Walther so yeah. much.
1: Um, there, there is this kind of uh, schizophrenia, if yeah, you will, know, about, yeah. uh, uh, about church fellowship. One of the but problems... In Lothar or... Is, uh, no, okay. in, the, in the 20th century. Oh, 20th century and I think yeah. it comes when... when uh, I think it develops when the Missouri Synod came to understand itself as a denomination like other denominations,
0: uh-huh.
1: instead of a church understood as a confession. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. All, you know, yeah. it's local congregations, but what makes them church together is the, the shared confession. Uh, which which even then a German a, word for denomination. <clears throat> right. But really.
0: then that goes across national boundaries, even. Yeah, of yeah, course. The Evangelical right. chur-
1: Lutheran Church. The Evangelical right. Lutheran Church is a, mm-hmm. it, Walter thought this is visible. It's a, you know, it's church on earth. It's not just the Una Sancta. It's not a Platonic mm-hmm. ideal. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. And what defines it is its shared confession and its commitment to one another mm-hmm. in that, In that confession Mm -hmm. under Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck? Well, I was just thinking in terms of the, unless I misunderstood you, Jeff, about fellowship taking place in the larger entity, Mm -hmm. wouldn't our traditional way of explaining it simply be that each congregation does have a responsibility, but since we're doing this together, we have to appoint, right, how should I say delegates? Yeah representatives to come together to figure this out together. And so we've kind of delegated that to mm-hmm. um, a smaller group of people to, uh, I don't want to use the word, negotiate, but to enter into conversations with other churches right? rather than, say, 6,000 congregations doing it right. each for themselves. So again, the assumption
2: would be that we're all making the same confession. Yes. So you can yes. send yes. Bob yeah. or Joe or Steve. It doesn't matter. We're all making mm-hmm. the same confession. So yeah, they're speaking for sense. me. Yeah. Right. Well, so no, no, you that's know, not again. the
0: same thing. Now hold on, Chuck. That's not the same thing. Let's come back to this. See, there's a difference between saying I'm delegating Fred to do this, and it, he's part of the hierarchy or something like that, and saying that actually um, you should be doing the same confession sort of at every level. Oh yeah. Right. Right. At, at every level, and you. Yeah. See, th- I mean, the delegate system. Maybe, maybe
3: what you're getting at is well, it, well go ahead. I don't know if I was using the right word when I use delegate, I thought we used that in our past. Um, but I was simply trying to convey the idea that, that I thought the idea of a synod in terms of church fellowship was simply, you know, each congregation can't go in dialogue with everyone else. Mm-hmm. So um by having a smaller group, I don't know how you want to put it. <laughs> But there is a delegation of responsibility to engage in those conversations, isn't there?
2: Oh, there's an obligation from a Lutheran perspective. Yeah.
3: yeah. This,
1: is, this is actually what I call paragraph 27 and a half of the brief statement. Oh yeah,
0: you've talked about Yeah, talk about that.
1: The paragraph 27 of the brief statement talks about the local congregation, and it really repeats sort of the, the Walter position that I referred to earlier, that the congregation is church, it's visible church. Um, paragraph 28 is on church fellowship, and it talks about church fellowship strictly in terms of church bodies being in mm. fellowship with each yeah. other. Mm. It actually doesn't talk, it doesn't say what church fellowship is, just says who you should, who church bodies can be in fellowship with and who they can't be.
0: But they're trans-congregational. But they're church and, bodies. Yeah, church right? bodies,
1: yeah. Um, there's a missing step in the logic between the local congregation as visible church and church fellowship between church bodies. So paragraph 27 and a half would be the synod or our church body is in fact an expression an embodiment of Altar and pulpit fellowship between the member congregations. Right. Mm-hmm. Somehow. See, we just said it Somehow. Haven't we haven't articulated it's, yeah, it, right. and yeah. it. And yeah. it's, the, it's the, right. the lost paragraph 27 right. and a half, right. which we actually need to make explicit now mm-hmm. because it's precisely that fellowship between the members of the Senate, yeah. among the members yeah. of the Senate, right. that's been called into question by a lot of practices. Well, I think what we're trying to say
0: here, too, is if we do paragraph 27A, then these coming together being held accountable by one another that is actually an expression of church though right
1: it's not just an organization doing churchly functions right. so that the fellow, then if there's a fellowship between let's say the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod and the Lutheran Church Canada yeah. this is church fellowship yeah yeah it's not just right. sort of an organizational contract right. or right. something exactly. this is church right. fellowship
2: yeah. we're confessing the same thing and and, yes. and let's let's celebrate that mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
3: The real advantage I see in moving in this direction, and I really like the language you use in terms of um, I want to be held accountable, is it moves away from sort of a consumerist direction Mm -hmm. to the church, of whether it's at the congregational level seeking goods and services, but I want to say it has application also for individual members of a congregation Mm -hmm. when you move to another town. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to seek out a congregation that offers you the best, services Services. whatever they might be right right um or that you know worship is exactly like the way the church from which you came or are you going to seek out a specifically lutheran congregation because you want to be how to come up for your own lutheran uh, confession Mm -hmm. um and I mean, I think Walther talked that way, about every Christian sort of obligated to- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, right. Find, yeah. An, find orthodox an Orthodox congregation, congregation. And, exactly. And right. uh, join with it. But mm-hmm. again, that's very counter the tenor of our times in terms of, yeah. um, instead of a, right. moving more to a responsibility, accountability model than a consumerist model in terms of how we think about the church.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether if, if this was made very explicit in our synodical life, that mm-hmm. to, to join the synod mm-hmm. means you want to be held accountable for your doctrine in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, if, and,
2: and say this again: not I want to hold others accountable. Right, right. that's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, uh, but if and we made this explicit
1: me, right. and said, right. you know, forget about goods and services, this the, the, mm-hmm. the synod is is not a fellowship created to provide you with you know stuff you need. Get your insurance from thriving. Right. If if we made that really explicit, whether a lot of people would choose not to be members. Mm. Mm-hmm. A lot of individuals and a lot of congregations might choose not to be members because, well, in fact, they don't want to be held accountable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, I I I mean
2: right. our shape, our thinking is so shaped by our context. I mean, it would mm-hmm. be a challenge to...
1: I, so I think there's there's right. a road ahead of us of trying to inculcate this and sort of trying to recover this this desire. Yeah,
3: I, I think it was there. I don't want to say that we were consumerist all along. I mean, I mm. suspect, you know, the, having a publishing house and... Doctrine review was a way of yeah absolutely nothing yeah. wrong you with know, it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm held accountable for what I write, so it goes through doctrine mm-hmm. review right. or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, but perhaps things changed when we opened up to the wider American community. We could find things all over the place yeah. that we could use and wanted.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And see, we should have never switched to Fred. English. <laughs>
0: We
2: knew it
3: was
0: a mistake. <laughs> and we knew it was a mistake. Well, listen, I'll tell she you, you stuck what. stuck with Latin, huh? <laughs> why, why, why don't we uh, bring this discussion to a kind of a close, uh, let me uh, do it in this way. We raised a number of really important issues. I think we started out with this idea of a third definition of Senate, which was an entity over against the member congregations. We talked about the trans-congregational nature of the church, and that it could truly be called church. And, and, it, and act like church. And act, and act like church. That's exactly right. Act like the, uh, the saints that we really are. Uh, there's the issue of the marks of the church, our understanding of the marks of the church and so forth. And then, uh, kind of floating above everything is this American context, including individualism and consumer mentality and so on. Now, uh, wh- why don't we maybe bring it to a close with this. Um, if, and I'll just go around the table here. Will, I'll start with you. Um, if, you were, if, if you were allowed to address now the delegates will come together in August. Uh, you know, what's maybe the, the one thing that you'd like them to take a look at as they consider the nature of the church and of the structure and so on? And I'll ask
1: each of you this. Well, I think I'd echo something Jeff said earlier, that the, the starting point of confessing Jesus as Lord mm-hmm. has to be kept squarely in view and we have to realize its implications at every point in our discussion about structure. Structures in the church are are necessary, but they they can never just be reduced to a uh, a struggle about who who's in charge or who has power over whom. Right. Uh, because the church lives from this confession that Jesus is Lord. Good, not me. Good, Jeff.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean that's that's central. I mean that's all the thunder right there. But but uh, I, I think maybe to to branch off a little bit would be uh, to to develop maybe a little more individually for ourselves to encourage people to, to develop a bit more of a I don't know if it's humility or uh cooperative spirit and just the recognition, you know, as Will said that that if I'm doing something that nobody else is doing, you know, maybe it's me that's in the in the wrong. Mm-hmm. And 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 the reason I'm in this church with my brothers and sisters in Christ is so that doesn't happen. And and so if I've got a great idea, you know the first thing I should do is probably talk to my brother pastors and my brother churches and say, what do you think about this? And, uh, and if it really is a great idea, then let the Holy Spirit do his work, you know, but, but, uh, I, I, I think we've become sort of, uh, so individualized. We've, I don't know if humility is the right word, but, but, uh, the first, first thing we do when we have a good idea or something is not ask each other. We, we just do our own thing. And, uh, I'm just struck by you know how the apostles, Paul himself, you know, goes and submits to people in Jerusalem and says, "Am I preaching the right stuff?" Yeah, Galatians you know, two. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and, and he's constantly calling the churches to, uh, to 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 do this together. You're not on your own, and that's, I guess, what I try to encourage.
3: Chuck. Well, certainly I would echo what you two said, <clears throat> and maybe add, you know, the concluding paragraphs of apology fifteen. <laughs> um, I mean, that has an interesting discussion on the balance of. Um, uh, freedom and uh, obligation there. I mean, he concludes it on the note that uh, in this very assembly, we've demonstrated that we are willing to observe offer with our opponents, no matter how burdensome they may be, because mm-hmm. we believe that Concord is uh, to be desired above all else. Um, and so I echo with what Will and uh, Jeff said. Um, you know with a little caveat that that doesn't mean that we can't have good discussions or debates oh, no. figuring out how things happen. No. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that has to be an ongoing part. But I suppose <laughs> the thing I'd want to emphasize and I think concerns me most is that if we're concerned about a, a loss of loyalty to Senate or participation in Senate it's not okay. primarily a structural problem that if we can improve right. efficiency and cost people are going to like it more. I'm really right. If we more give concerned. them more bang for their buck or something. Yeah, right? I'm yeah. really more concerned right. that it's, it's a theological problem if, mm. uh, in terms of understanding what is the church, you know, if a church is a like-minded society of, mm. or a voluntary society of like-minded individuals, you know, that I get to choose, or, um, that's going to lead you in one direction. If church is more the body of Christ, as you mentioned, us being gathered by the Spirit, Mm-hmm. Around the means of grace, um, that implies some other aspects of the church, and so I guess my concern really is increasingly you know we 've seen in recent Pew research studies that half of adults don 't stay in the church in which they grew up, mm-hmm. uh, and we have a lot of mobility in our society, so you know when people move to another city, where are they going to go right. and why they 're going to choose that particular church so I think it has some ramifications both for individuals in their over and against congregations and congregations over against other congregations.
0: Well guys, thank you very much. This has been great. Thank you for watching and be on the lookout for the July issue 2008 of the Concordia Journal on Ecclesiology. Thanks.